Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We're a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into this same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and to reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing? Wonderful. Thank you, sir. Well, like you saw in the video, uh, we are kicking off today our series series called Teach Us to Pray. Uh, It's going to be a five-week series, and uh, and each of this... Each week of the series, we're going to be looking at the disciples' prayer. Uh, as Pastor Jer- Jeremy mentioned, uh, it comes from a request from the disciples. We're going to look at that encounter shortly, but what I'm really excited about this is that I believe it's going to challenge us. No matter where you are in your faith journey, no matter where, uh, where you've come from today, I would imagine that you, you could probably fit into a couple camps. One, may- maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, and that's okay. Uh, maybe you're coming here, maybe you got invited by a friend, or maybe this whole, I'm not sure about God, I, I, I just don't know where I fit in this story, I, I don't know, I don't pray, I don't really see the need to prayer. I'm glad that you're here. Because this morning, my hope and is, it, is that you're going to discover a little bit more about who God is. Our, our goal with this series is not to say, here's, here's the checklist of the things that you need to do to be a better prayer. Our hope is that as as you come alongside this message is that we look at the character of God and you realize just how much you are loved and how much you are cared for and how much God desires to have a relationship with you. So if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, keep coming. We want you here. We want you to come back. I challenge you, come back and hear this series because I believe that you're going to see a different picture of who God is than maybe that you had before. And if, if you are a follower of Jesus, maybe prayer is, is hard. Maybe you feel like your prayer life is stale, or maybe you feel like you're not really sure how to pray, or when you do pray, you maybe don't feel like God is hearing you, or maybe you don't feel like uh, your prayers are being answered, or, or you just don't know what to say. My prayer for you uh, is that we kind of begin to understand that, that prayer is not just an obligation to God. We're not just doing it just to say we did it. We're not just doing it saying, well, I prayed today, so I'm good. But what it really is, is that we're going to discover in this series is that it's, it's an opportunity to grow deeper and deeper into a relationship with the God who thought you were worth dying for. That's where we're going. It's an opportunity for us to, to understand where we come from when we go to God and hopefully see him in his true manner not in maybe some of the skewed views uh, that, we, uh, that we come to. So uh, in, if you haven't had a chance to, in your first file on the way out, there's also some of the narthex. There's uh, an update from the elders. And one of the sections of that is, is our, uh, an update from our church health report. So thank you to all those who, who gave their feedback, their honest feedback about, about how we can continue to grow as a church. And some of the things that we saw in our church health report uh, was one is that we believe that prayer works which is awesome. Glad you guys think that. We also believe that that prayer is powerful and that prayer is important. And these are all incredible, great truths. That's a great thing. But what we also saw was that prayer can be challenging. That sometimes we felt too busy to pray. Sometimes we weren't quite sure how to pray. Weren't quite sure that we were were trained in in, in how to come before God in a way that, that, that fits. 
And so as we were thinking about this and looking at it, we said, you know what? The absolute thing that we need to do is to talk about prayer. If we all can come to a point where, you know what, I've struggled with prayer, I'm not really sure where, where, what, I, what I do or what words to say, or if God hears me or if he hears my prayer, if I'm saying the right words, or if I'm, if I'm doing all that I should, we said, you know what, let's look what Scripture says about prayer. And I think it really kind of comes down to one question. How do you view God? How do you view God? Because when we have the right view of who God is, I think it becomes clear how we are to relate to him. So that's my challenge as this this series goes on. I want you to think about when you come to this idea of prayer, when you come before God, what are your perceptions? How do you view him? How do you talk to him? How do you relate to him? And I think I'm going to challenge you a little bit with that. Because prayer can be challenging. And it reminds me, so every year our, our students uh, have gone, or for the past four years, have gone uh, on trips with, uh, with this organization called World Changers. And it's our mission trip each summer, and we go, and there's different components of this trip. There's a construction component where we go, and we meet some physical needs of some people in, in the area. We've been in Owensboro for the past few years. And so we go, and we, we build stuff, and we, and we build relationships with people, and there's inevitably a time where we challenge some of our students to go pray for other people. Maybe it's in the neighborhood of the house that they're building uh, or painting or, or doing some work on. And, and I will never forget this past year, a group of our students, we, we went into this neighborhood and I said, hey, I'm going to challenge you. Uh, I, I'm not asking you to, to go and change lives or anything, but I want you to go and ask people how you can pray for them. And if they tell you, do it. Ask them the way, what we could pray about. Ask them how, how we might be able to, to go before God for them. And man, it was a challenge. We, we went door to door, and we met people, and we kind of told them a little bit about what we were doing, and we talked about our experiences, and we talked about doing some construction and being here for the week, and they were kind of, they were kind of you know, engaged with that, and they said, well, hey, how can we pray for you? And they kind of was like, uh, well, well I'm, I'm not sure, or uh, pray, pray for this, and and I begin to watch my students grow. And I begin to watch them be challenged in their faith and watch them uh, have these conversations with these people. And you're like, man, prayer, prayer can be hard. It can be a challenge. And, uh, and I know I was personally convicted. Our, our, our church this, this past April, almost, or almost a year ago now, uh, our church had an opportunity to take a trip to, to North Africa and, and then to invest in the lives of some of our partner missionaries there. And while we were there, I saw something that was incredibly powerful. I have a video that I want to show you. And uh, what this video is, is, is I, we shot this video from our, uh, our hotel that we were staying in when we were doing a, the conference with our, with our missionaries. Uh, and this video shows a clip of a Muslim call to prayer. And, uh, and, and I shot this video, and this happens five times a day. And we get to see this, this challenge where, where life stops. And do we, do we have that video? There we go. Take a look.
So we heard that every day. And you could, no matter where you were walking in the city, time would stop. You would hear the calls to prayer, and you would hear the life just stopped for a moment. We were in a shopping mall, and there was rooms that, that people could literally go and pray when it was time to pray. Now, these are not Christian prayers, and I'm not, I'm not saying we should be blasting uh, calls to prayer from the sirens in, in Zealand, but one of the things that this did for me was it convicted me. It was like, man, my prayer life doesn't look like that. My prayer life, I don't stop what I'm doing and saying, you know what, what's most important right now is, is my relationship with God, and I'm, I'm going to go pray to him right now. I don't do that. I, I was convicted by this idea of, man, th- their life is centered around prayer, centered around their faith, and man, I, I wish my faith was stronger than it is. So I think we can all relate that we've struggled with prayer in the past, and, and we're not alone. As, as Jeremy mentioned in the video, in, in Luke chapter 11, there's an encounter, and it's an incredibly unique encounter, and it doesn't give us a ton of the story, but what we do know is that Jesus was praying. And he was praying with his disciples. And when he was done praying, his disciples spoke up and says, can you, can you teach us to pray? And as I started thinking about this encounter, I, I imagined it going something like this. Now, I'm not saying uh, be, a, be an open-eyes prayer and watch other people pray. Uh, but I would imagine as Jesus was praying and speaking to God, his disciples kind of opened their eyes a little bit. And they kind of watched Jesus And they were listening to him pray and seeing the passion and the intensity and the power that they couldn't help but be in awe of the way that Jesus interacted with his heavenly father. To me, it seems like they were they were watching and they were looking and they were and they were hearing and and when he was done, they were like, That's I want to pray like that. That's, that's not like the prayers that I've seen some of our rabbis preach. Or that's, that's not like the prayer that, that I pray. Jesus, can you, can you teach us to pray like that? And he responds. It picks up in, in Matthew chapter 6, and this is where we'll be for, for the, kind of the, our, our five-part series. It picks up in, in verse 5. Jesus' response. Chapter 6, verse 5, it says, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have had their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask. Therefore... You should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your your translation might say, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive you of your offenses. And so we're, we're going to be looking at this prayer over the next five weeks. And today we're really focusing on verse 9. It says, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, or hallowed be your name. Now, how many in the past week have used the word hallowed? Anybody? 
No? Nobody? Oh, man. Uh, it's a challenging word. It's not a word that we, we, we use very often in, in, our, in our day-to-day, but it's an important word, and I think it's going to help us understand what it means when we come uh, before God. And so we, as we dive into this verse today, we're going to see a couple things. Prayer uh, is about your relationship with God, not a religious formality. Prayer is not primarily about our words, but our hearts in relation to God's. And that prayer is intended to be purposeful and intentional. And prayer is God-centered. One commentator, uh, Barclay, mentioned, God is first given his supreme place, and then and only then we turn to ourselves and our needs and desires. It is only when God is given his proper place that all other things fall into their proper places. Prayer must never be an attempt to bend the will of God to our desires. Prayer ought to always be an attempt to submit our wills to the will of God. And that's a pretty powerful start. Is, is one of the things that we see is we realize when we come before God to, pray, to, to pray, that, that it's not just about our words. It's not just about trying to get something from God. It's not just about trying to say the right words so God will bless you. It, it's about honoring God for who he is and trying to bend our, our wills and, and live our lives to, to honor the will of God. So let's dive in. It says, our Father in heaven. And it makes us ask this question, who can pray our Father? And if you look at the audience, and if you dive into scripture, you look at the audience of who Jesus is talking to in this moment, you see that he is talking to his disciples, that this prayer is a model for believers. Because If we start with our Father in heaven, what we're doing is we're saying there's a relationship that exists. There's a place that we have come together. There's there's a a particular faith that we have that that exists that only happens when you are a follower of Jesus. The beginning of the prayer is all about exalting God to a place of honor and to worship. And the only people that, that, are, that, are called, are, are, that do that are his followers, are his ones who follow Jesus. Why would you pray, pray, the, rest of the prayer, pray the rest of the prayer if you didn't have a relationship with God? John 14, verses 15 through 18 says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Jesus is saying, hey, there, there, a specific and important and close relationship exists. You are my, my sons and daughters. I, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as, adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. It's as if Jesus is saying in this prayer, for those who understand that they are dearly loved children of God. 
He's saying this prayer is not just for anybody. This prayer is for the people who recognize and understand that they are cared for deeply by their Heavenly Father. That they can cry, Abba, Father. That there is a closeness, a connection between them and God. It's not some distant judge who just, who, who, if you say the right words, gives you what you want, but it's a relationship between a father and an adopted son or daughter. And there is no better example to me if you turn with me over to Matthew 26. This past week, we looked at Peter. And we looked at his encounter around when, when Jesus was crucified. And one, of the, uh, one point in this encounter, and we, did not, we didn't talk about it last week, but we're going to pick it up today because I think this really points to kind of where we're getting at today, understanding that God is our Heavenly Father. So after the, the Passover meal, Jesus took his disciples into uh, the garden. It says, it picks it up in verse 36. It says, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he asked Peter, So you couldn't stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping, and because they could not keep their eyes open. And after leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. That's an incredible encounter. Because you, you, see God, you see Jesus in his holy God stance, but you also see Jesus in his, in his fully man. He's struggling. He doesn't want to go do what he's about to do, but as he prays, he understands something. He understands that he can go before his heavenly father with whatever he needed. And he asks for something big. He says, can, can this be removed from me? Can I not do this? I, I, I'm sorrowful to the point of death. I don't want to do this. Yet, he says, but your will be done in my life. Jesus wholeheartedly trusted the character of his father. Think about that for a moment. In his moment of sorrowful to the point of death, he wholeheartedly trusted that God was good and that his will needed to be done in his life. That's a challenge. Because if I look at my prayer life, it doesn't look like that often. He trusted the character of his father. 
There was no doubting who he was. And get this, because Jesus prayed my father in those moments, we can pray our father. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of what he did to say, God, your will be done and not my own, we can stand here today and say, our father. And there is a corporate aspect to that, that we can come as brothers and sisters in Christ and go before our heavenly father and say, God, here we are. And it's because of Jesus. And so when we begin to see God as our father, like Jesus did, we begin to trust his character like Jesus did. Because we know that as, his, as a perfect and good father who cares for us, we can trust that. We can, we can rely on that. We can, we can hold that as, as important. It continues. It says, Your name be honored as holy, or hallowed be your name. And it's more than just regarding his name as holy and saying, yep, sure, yeah, he's, he's holy. It goes deeper than that. In Mark 1, uh, 24, there's an encounter. It says that Jesus was, was with his disciples, and they went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue, and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, shouting with a loud voice, and came out of him. And they were all amazed, so they began to argue with one another, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. News about him then spread through the entire vicinity of Galilee. And what we see is even the demons, even the people who desire to see his plan be thwarted, recognize that that Jesus was holy, that God is holy. And so it's more than just saying that God is holy, because even if the demons uh, recognize that he is holy, it's about making our, our lives and our hearts understanding that God, we, we're not just sanctifying you because you are already sanctified, but God, in our lives, may, may our hearts and our minds and everything about us believe that you are holy and that our lives reflect that you are holy and that everything that we do and everything that we say and the choices and decisions that we make reflect the truth that you are holy and set apart and perfect. He's calling us to a lifestyle change. One of the things that we often say in our student ministry is that in everything that you do, you are either pointing people towards Jesus or you're pointing people away from Jesus. And we look at this at school. When the people that you hang out with, the choices that you make, the things that you say, the things that you watch, the way that when people look at your life and the way that they see you act, you're ultimately pointing people towards Jesus or away from Jesus. And so what I believe Jesus is trying to teach in this model of prayer is saying, hey, in your life, you should be pointing people towards me. In your life, you should be pointing people to, the, to, the, to God the Father and saying, hey, it's not me that's doing this. All glory goes to God. That when somebody looks at you in your life and looks at me in my life, what should happen is what should be reflected out of it is the fact that holiness and glory and all of everything that is worth worthy of honor and praise goes to God and God alone. And that's a challenge. And so when we look at this prayer, it's not just saying, 
hallowed be your name or your, your name be honored as holy as saying, God, I recognize that I fall short in that. I recognize that I, I alone can't do this, but God, I pray that you would work in me so that my life would reflect that your name should be honored as holy. In Matthew 5, earlier in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where this, this scripture comes from, he says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and gives it light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. It's not about just saying it. It's about living it and, and, and desiring to give honor and glory and so that our light from being a follower of Jesus would shine to others and they would say, wow, look at God. There's a, there's a story, an old Roman story, which tells of a Roman emperor. And this Roman emperor comes back from battle victorious. And like Rome and all of its greatness and its splendor, one of the things that they did uh, is they had a parade that this Roman emperor could bring his troops into the city and, uh, and march them through victorious. And there was people cheering and, 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 and saying, yes, we, we, we are victorious. And man, there, there's nothing that can stop Rome. And so this parade was happening. And in this parade, there's lots of people. The, the streets were lined with people, so much so that soldiers had to line the streets to keep people from entering into the street. And at one point in this parade, there's a platform. And on this, pla- pla- on this platform was the emperor's family, his wife and his young son. And the story goes that as the, the parade of troops and the emperor started coming into this point of the parade, the young boy saw his father. And out of instinct, this long, young little boy jumped down from the platform and he, he kind of squeezed through the crowd and, he, and he, tried to, he wanted to make his way to his dad. And as he got closer and closer to the road, he tried to squeeze one, through one last group of people, which is one of these soldiers. And the soldiers grabbed the boy and said, hey, you can't, you can't go there. Don't you see? That's, that's the emperor. This is, you, you cannot just go up to the emperor. That's, he's, he's the emperor. You, you just can't do that. And the little boy smiled. He said, yes, that, that is the emperor. But that's my dad. And with that, the boy was welcomed into the arms of his father and continued on in the parade. That's exactly the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. The creator of the universe, sovereign over all, one who, who puts the stars in the sky and, and created everything that we see, welcomes us into his arms as his child. That's a game changer for me. Because sometimes I struggle seeing God as, as, as a heavenly father, but when, when I look at scripture, when I look at the way that Jesus prayed, and when I look at what we see and what we know about how Jesus calls us to pray, there, there's absolutely no doubt that we come as his child. We can come fearless. We can come boldly. We can come expectantly. We can come knowing that we will be heard. We can come knowing that we are coming to the perfect father who cares deeply about us. 
You see several points in scripture where they talk about a good father wouldn't give his son a stone when he asks for bread or, or, or give him something that he doesn't need rather than what he does need. And to take it one step further, think about how we pray for other people. I'll admit, we can, we can have a little confession time. Has, has there ever been a time where you said, yeah, I'll pray for you and, you, and you didn't pray for that person? Anybody? Am I the only one? No? All right. I know I've struggled with that, where I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be praying for you. And, and, and sometimes it maybe have slipped my mind or, or whatever it is. But think about this. When we come before God and we say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Think about for a moment what you're doing. What you're telling that person is that I am going to go before the creator of the universe, the one who, who, who hears me, the one who listens to my prayer, the one who cares deeply about me. I'm going to go before that, God, with your concern, with your pain, with your stress, with your worry, with your anxiety, with your joy, with your desires, with your dreams. I'm going to take what you, what you want and bring it before the creator of the universe because I know that God hears me. That's a different thing than just saying, I'll, I'll pray for you. I firmly believe that when you say that you're praying for somebody, that's one of the absolute greatest things that you could do for somebody else because you're saying, I'm going to bring it to the highest level. Your concern, whatever that you're going through, I'm bringing it before the creator of the universe. The one who sent his son to earth so that we might have a relationship with him. It wasn't so that we could do our checklist and say, all right, here's one, two, three, the ways that you gotta pray, but we have a God who came and made himself a man so that we could come and have a relationship with him. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, he's not teaching us to say, all right, well, here's just what sounds good, but no, here's how you have a deeper relationship with the God who thought you were worth dying for. Here's how you come before your heavenly father who cares deeply about you and bring your requests, bring your worries, bring everything that you have to him because he wants to hear it. So how do you view God? Do you view God as a father or is that a struggle? Do you view God as somebody who hears you or, or is that a struggle? Or do you view God as just somebody who's, who, who just judges every move that you make or do you view him as somebody who cares deeply about you. Here's a couple things that I want to walk, to walk away with this morning. Authentic prayer trusts the character of your Heavenly Father. Authentic prayer trusts the character of your Heavenly Father. It's trusting that God is who He says He is and is going to do what He says He's going to do. It's trusting that you're loved by God because He is your Heavenly Father. It's trusting that you are cared for and heard by God. It's trusting that no matter what, no matter how much you've sinned, no how, much you, how, how broken your life might look, you are welcomed back with open arms to your heavenly father. I think about the prodigal son that even in the, in the worst of circumstances, his father was willing to open his arms saying, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Your heavenly father cares about you that way. Authentic prayer calls us to sanctify God's name in our hearts. It's not just about knowing that he is worthy of honor and praise, knowing that he is worthy of all, all glory. It's about using our lives to reflect that to the world around us. Saying, anything good in my life comes from God and God alone. And third, 
Authentic prayer pulls us deeper into dependence on God. When we get into a habit of prayer and a deep relationship, we only see how much we need God more. 1 Peter 5, 6-7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him because he cares about you. He wants your pain. He wants your stress. He wants your anxiety. He says, give it to me because I care about you. That's not something that I've asked you to carry. That's not a burden that I've asked you to carry. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God the Father is calling you into a deep relationship with him. He's calling you to take that step of faith and saying, hey, I want our relationship. I want all your, your pain. I want all of your joy. I want everything that you might have. You might be, be worried to give me. I want it. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be challenging ourselves and inviting us into a deeper relationship with God when it comes to prayer. And if our, if our ushers, I, I have something I want to give you guys, if our ushers are, are, are there. What's going to be coming around is a little card. And it says, week one, invitation. And on this card, is, is, it's just simply a reminder. If growing deeper in your prayer life is something that you would like to do, and if, if being a, uh, a, a deeper prayer or, or understanding the dependence that we need to have on God, we want to help you do that. And so the week one invitation is is an easy one. It says, we invite you to pray the disciples' prayer twice daily, focusing this week on what it means to call God Father. So whether that's literally praying the prayer that Jesus modeled for us, or using his model and saying, I'm going to pray around this. I'm going to honor him as, as as a father. And there's some scripture at the bottom that can kind of help you dive deeper, some scriptures that kind of help point us to what it means that we have a heavenly Father. And so, ushers, feel free to, to, to pass those out in the aisles. Um, and, uh, and this can be just a reminder. Stick it, stick it in your car. Stick it in, uh, on your, on, tape it on the back of your phone. Put it, put it in your Bible. Whatever it might be, it's a reminder. What would it look like if two times a day, for the next week, you, step, you set aside some time, some intentional time, some purposeful time to be with your Heavenly Father, to call Him Father, and to pray. Lord, we, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are good, that you are our Heavenly Father, God. Your name be honored as holy, God. I pray in our hearts that no matter where we are in our faith, I pray that you would strengthen our our desire to make your name known. That when people look at our lives and the the way that we interact and the way that we love one another, God, I pray that ultimately they would be pointed to you. We thank you that you sent your son for us. We thank you that you thought we were worth dying for. And I pray in our hearts Uh, that we would live that and reflect that to others. In your son's name we pray, amen.
Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check out fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.